Hi, before I get to my next guest, Dr. Bob Jones, I want to give a shout out to a few of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Squares Golf. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? I'll tell you what, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Squares Golf Shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour, an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent tests prove it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com. That's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com and get Squares 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. I also want to give a shout out to another new sponsor, Bionic Gloves. Do what you do better with Bionic Gloves. Whether you're looking to own the golf greens, improve your workouts, or get your hands dirty in the garden, Bionic Gloves has you covered. Designed with a hand specialist, Bionic Gloves feature patented innovations that help improve your grip. The strategically placed anatomical relief pads also prevent calluses and blisters while the web and motion zones allow for greater dexterity and flexibility. Head over to BionicLoves.com to find the perfect love to up your game. And I want to remind you about our friends over at Zexio. In 2001, Zexio Strixon began making clubs for men and women, and they've improved on those clubs every year since. Every part of Zexio clubs are made exclusively for Zexio. Everything is light and balanced. Swing weights are made to give us the highest smash factors. And the best part of getting fit for Zexio Clubs is hitting it higher and straighter than ever before, changing your game. Zexio Clubs are a Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner for 2021. Congratulations to Zexio Ambassador M.B. Park for her five-stroke victory earlier this year at the Kia Classic. It was her 21st victory, and she did so using Zexio 11 Woods and 10 Irons. See how Zexio can help your game as well. Go online to ZexioUSA.com and pick which set is right for you. All right, now back in making his eighth appearance with me here on Next on the T is Dr. Bob Jones IV. And yes, Doc is the grandson of Bobby Jones. He was born and raised in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which is located in the very western part of the state near the New York state line. He now lives just northeast of Atlanta. Doc has a bachelor's degree in English literature, his master's in divinity, and a doctorate in clinical psychology. He's now working as a sports psychologist. Doc not only has been a wonderful guest on the show over the years, but also a great supporter of me and the show, which I cannot thank him enough for. He's a wonderful human being, and I'm very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Doc, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, you know, I really am, although I must say, I came very close to not making my eighth appearance because as soon as I called in, the very first thing I heard you say was you're struggling with the shanks. And I thought, <laughs> oh, boy, <laughs> I don't need that. <laughs> but yeah, you don't I want thought, to give me any part of that. Yeah, don't touch me with that. No. I get it. I understand. <laughs> so, but then I thought, you know, you've been such a good friend for so long. I just couldn't do it. So there you go. So here I am. <laughs> Thank you, Doc. Here I am. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. <laughs> 
Doc, I want to start our time tonight by getting your thoughts on uh, on what you saw over the weekend from Phil at the PGA Championship. My buddies and I were, you know, thrilled because we love Phil, and uh, we're also excited because someone in our age bracket achieved what he did. What were your thoughts? I thought it was an absolutely spectacular thing. And, you know, uh, in addition to seeing this really mature Phil Mickelson, somebody that uh, has Basically, even though he's older, he has main, you know, he's actually gained distance. He's a better, even better ball striker than ever. But look at how he mentally handled himself throughout that entire tournament. And even more to the point, the thing that really struck me is as well focused as he was, did you notice as he's walking by all the fans who are going crazy? He's giving thumbs up. He's waving at people. He's really connecting. I mean, you know, that's the thing that I think makes Phil Mickelson so incredibly unique, and that is he can give the fans the sense that not only are they watching a great golfer, but he can look at a crowd and everybody feels like he's looking directly at them and connecting with them. The only person I've ever seen like that, to be honest, is uh, Arnold Palmer, who had that same ability. So I thought it was really great. To that point, Doc, is that something that's missing from a lot of the players out on the PGA Tour? I mean, I think we're we're sort of hungry or dying for someone with a personality that wants to connect with us and all of those sorts of things that does, like you said, interact with the fans and kind of, as Phil gives the thumbs up, right? Somebody that acknowledges yeah. not just the sort of the polite little wave that we get when a guy makes a birdie or something like that, but we want someone that really embraces the fans and we can kind of get into, and I just feel like we're missing that a little bit. Well, I think we are, but, you know, I think that's been the case, that's tended to be the case, I should say, with golf actually for some time. I mean, we've had really outstanding players in history. Um, You know, my grandfather certainly moved the needle uh, in that direction. Palmer certainly did. Uh, Phil certainly does. Uh, But, you know, but look at how many great players there are who never really did move the personality needle. I mean, nobody ever referred to Ben Hogan as Mr. Warmth and Good Cheer, and yet he's one of the greatest players in history. Walter Hagen certainly had charisma, but yet he's not remembered in quite the same way as my grandfather was. Byron Nelson was one of the greatest gentlemen ever to play the game, but he also, that didn't really come across when he was playing in competition. So, I mean, I think that's always kind of been a tendency in the game of golf. Um, I think golf tends to attract a more introverted person by nature. And so when you get somebody who comes along who really gets energized by people uh, like Arnold, like Phil, uh, then I think, um, I, think, I think it just it creates a connection. It would be nice to see it more. But I think uh, the kind of person that would be temperamentally inclined in that direction uh, very rarely plays golf. Doc, we, you know, we as sports fans have become really prisoners of the moment. Everything that's happening right now in people's minds is way bigger, way better than anything that happened before back in history. Today's players are better. What they achieved is greater. And, and I like to remind people, particularly golf fans, you know, the Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, your grandfather, you mentioned Hogan, Sam Snead. Those guys did 
equally or sometimes better things than what we're seeing from the turn, you know, guys playing tournaments now. The most important player in the game's history is very arguably the most important person in the game's history, I think is your grandfather because not only did he win 13 majors from 1923 to 1930, oh, by the way, and almost half the majors for what he won. But if it wasn't for your grandfather, there'd be no Masters tournament. Maybe the amateur tournament would have remained majors, maybe not. Maybe the Players' Championship would have become a major, but that's only been around since 1974. So when you think about, you know, majors and the importance to the game, I mean, think of Arnold Palmer maybe only wins three majors because there's no Masters. Jack Nicklaus doesn't have 18. Tiger Woods doesn't have 15. The whole landscape of the game would be different if it wasn't for your grandfather, but I don't think enough people recognize that. Well, you know, and I think you're right. I think you said it uh, correctly. I mean, I think, you know, right now we live in a 4K UHD world, and anything that wasn't shot in 4K UHD, it, it didn't really happen. So, you know, it's kind of like getting, uh, it's kind of like when I was, uh, when I was younger and I was trying to get my daughter Melanie to uh, sit down and watch a Charlie Chan movie. And she was like, well, I don't know if I want to watch that. It was in black, it's in black and white. And then she did and she absolutely loved it. But, you know, there's always, there's a tendency that we have in psychology to always believe in this thing. It's like a recency effect. You know, we always remember either the first thing we've heard, uh, or the last thing we've heard. And uh, which is primacy and recency is what we call it. And I think that is also the way we are now. It's like what we're seeing is the best that has ever been. But I mean, like, look at it this way. Tom Brady has got, what, six Super Bowl rings now or something? Seven? I don't know. He's got seven, almost yeah. as more. Yeah, seven rings. And yet, is he a better quarterback than Sammy Ball? Is he a better quarterback than Sid Luckman? Is he a better quarterback than Bart Starr? Is he a better quarterback than, you know, how do you judge it? You really can't because those guys played in different eras and, uh, and it's the same in golf. My grandfather used to get asked this question all the time and he used to always say this. All you can do is beat the people who are around when you're around. And then other than that, the rest is kind of up to history. And, you know, like, I'll go, I'll go one better on that. I was having lunch today with a gentleman, uh, John Elliott, who is uh, on the board of the board emeritus for the Western Golf Association. And he was an Evans scholar. And do you know, it really boggled my mind. I totally had forgotten that Chick Evans was the first person to win the U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Open in the same year in 1916, and that Chick Evans defeated Francis Wiemann to win the uh, U.S. Amateur again in 1920. Now, this is an incredible accomplishment, and yet if you were to ask most golfers nowadays, who is Chick Evans? Most of them would have no earthly idea unless they're history nuts like me. If you were to ask the uh, average golf fan today, who are the men that have won four United States Open? They could probably get Jack Nicklaus. They could probably get Ben Hogan, probably get my grandfather. But how many people would say Tiger Woods when, in fact, the only other person to win four U.S. Opens was a guy named Willie Anderson back at the beginning of the 20th century? 
was Willie Anderson um, a less competent player than, say, my grandfather? Who knows? He won four U.S. Open. So I, I guess what we can do is just, you know, we have to admire the legacy of the people that are around now. For those of us who remember or who know, we celebrate the legacy of all those who came before. And we just have to understand that that's just how human beings' minds run. So yeah. uh, that I hope that's not – that's slightly cynical, but it's true. Indeed. So. And, and, Doc, you know, as crazy as the scenes have been when Tiger won the Masters in 19 and what we saw, you know, surrounding the 18th green when – when Phil's making his way up there and the crowd's going crazy and all that sort of thing. When your grandfather came back from winning the Open Championship in 1926 and then again from winning both the British Amateur and the Amateur and the Open Championship, I should say, in 1930, you get the ticker tape parade both times in New York City. Yes. Talk about the, yes. you know, what that must have been like. Well, Did you ever talk about those experiences? Well, no, he never did. He wrote about them occasionally and his favorite story about it, though, was kind of interesting. Um, now, think about this. Uh, he is the only golfer in history to have had two ticker tape parades. There are other people that have had two ticker tape parades, John Glenn being one. So, I mean, you have to orbit the Earth at least three times if you're not Bobby Jones <laughs> to get a ticker tape parade. But, uh, but here's the funniest part. He, he always liked to tell the story after the parade was over where he was standing out on the street corner uh, having a cigarette, and uh, there was a policeman uh, just standing right next to him. And Bub used to say, that's what we called him, Bub used to say he was smoking a cigarette, and he turned to the policeman and he said, so, officer, what's all the fuss about? And <laughs> the cop didn't even look at him. He just went, ah, oh, it's just a parade for some damn golfer. Not realizing <laughs> that the damn golfer was standing right beside him. Now, <laughs> let's say that had happened just, say, a few years ago, and it was Tiger Woods. And Tiger, and that same conversation happened. Do you think that the policeman would not have known who Tiger Woods was? Right. Yeah, but Bobby Jones yeah. lived in the day before the 24-hour news and sports cycle. Bobby Jones didn't have every single thing he did analyzed to death on Golf Channel and ESPN. Uh, in fact, it wasn't until the movies about him came out with uh, the, the instructional film. It wasn't until those came out that people even ever got a chance to really see him swing. So, you know, uh, he lived at a totally different time. But, but, but having those two ticker tape parades, that was, uh, I mean, it was a great honor. I mean, he, treasured the key to New York City. Um, you know, even Mayor Jimmy Walker, who uh, was mayor of New York at the time, has the distinction of being one of the most corrupt mayors in American history, which is saying something when you think about it. Mayor Walker even <laughs> said, he said, it could neither be foreseen nor known that the events of today would bring about uh, this strange meeting, whereas the world's greatest golfer would be introduced by the world's worst golfer. So um, it, that was; those were the kinds of stories that he liked to say, to tell. But uh, in terms of tooting his own horn, he just wasn't all that good at it. 
Doc, I know what a great golf historian you are. You just mentioned some of the things here a moment ago. Sam Snead's another guy that I don't think gets enough credit for how great a player he was, and and for as long as he was a great player. I mean, he made a cut in a PGA Tour event when he was 67, finished tied for third in the 74 PGA Championship at 62. And we all we all know, right. you know, for for my generation, the most that we got to see Sam was really as the you know, honorary starter at uh, the Masters for all of those years. But uh, I'm imagining he's somebody your grandfather saw often and, and got to know pretty well. Did he ever talk about Sam? Well, they, let's put it this way: they they were not uh, they they were not the best of friends. Uh, <laughs> Sam had a sort of a different approach uh, to life than my grandfather did. <laughs> And, uh, in fact, somebody once, if I can, uh, I mean, I realize this is on blog talk, so I'll try to keep it reasonably clean. One time somebody said to my grandfather, they said, Bob, I heard you wouldn't go to the bathroom on Sam Sneed if he were on fire. And my grandfather said, that is absolutely not true. I certainly would. And which sort of summarizes their relationship a little bit. But my grandfather did believe. <laughs> that Sam Snead had to have the absolute greatest natural athletic talent and greatest golf swing um, that he had ever seen with anyone, with the possible exception uh, of um, with with the possible. Well, no, he as far as men golfers go, he never saw anybody that was a better swinger of the golf club than Sam Snead. It was an effortless power. Uh, and, and in many ways, Sneed's swing was very similar to my grandfather's. That's right. So, yeah, he was, he was, he was, and in fact, I think Sam Sneed still holds the record, uh, not just for the oldest cut made, but wasn't he like well into his 50s when he won, um, his last PGA tour, tour title? Yeah, in Greensboro. Yeah, he was. He was 52 and, uh, you know, however many months old, but yeah. When he won at Greens uh, at uh, the Great Greensboro Open, so yeah, that's absolutely right. he was. Yeah, that's. Oh, he was incredible. I mean, the only the only blemish uh, on his entire tournament career was a failure to win the United States Open. Other that's than right. that, I mean, good lord, he won just about anything you could win. That's right. So, yeah, Doc, he's a great player. Doc, I want to switch gears a little bit with you. Um, yeah. I want to get your thoughts as a sports psychologist on, on, on some of the things that we, we that we did see from Phil on Saturday and Sunday. He talked about his struggle at times to remain focused this year. Right? I mean, he's, he talked about you know playing longer, trying to play 27 holes and stuff like that, so that he could train his mind and his body to be sharp longer. We saw him trying to slow his breathing down a lot during the final round. We saw him try to stay calm. Um, Talk about that. What what are some things for for all? I mean, obviously, ninety nine point nine percent of us are never going to be in the position that Phil's been in, but we are going to be in a position where we're trying to win a club championship, a member guest tournament, or just on the on the weekend with our buddies. We're we're trying to win, and some of us tend to get nervous. How can we slow ourselves down and kind of control those nerves? Well, I think the first thing you need to that, that when you're in a situation like that, any type of type of situation that is uh, energizing like that, uh, I think there are a couple of things that need to be done. First is people have to learn how to breathe and to breathe properly. 
And, and and most people don't know how to do that. Like if I ask most people how to take a deep breath, they would expand their chest. And the problem when you expand your chest is you tighten the diaphragm. And the diaphragm then doesn't allow the lungs to get all the air in them they need. And so you have to learn how to breathe from your stomach, where if you were to put a book on your stomach and then inhale, you would see the book rise. And when you exhale, you would see the book lower. And that's the first thing. And that's relative, a relatively easy thing to learn to do. Um, and, and once you've learned how to do that, then learning how to breathe slowly and easily and rhythmically becomes much, much easier. But the second thing I think that is helpful is people have to understand that when your activation level goes up, you want to pay really close attention to the muscles right around your mouth because those are where tension first enters into the body. And once they enter in there, then they go down to the neck and down the shoulders, and the next thing you know, your swing is out of rhythm. So pay nice attention to keep those muscles nice and relaxed. So you're breathing well, the muscles on your face are relaxed, and then the second thing to do is this. If you're walking, slow down. Go into a nice, easy, smooth pace. Because the tendency is always, when you get energized, to speed up. So you want to, so you want to monitor your breathing. Make sure you're breathing correctly. Make sure the smooth muscles are right around your, right around your mouth are staying nice and relaxed. And then slow down your personal tempo. Um, one little thing that I oftentimes will have people do, especially juniors that I work with who are really, really get really energized, is I tell them, if you're carrying your clubs and not using a trolley, if you're carrying your clubs, put your clubs down so gently that you can't even hear the irons clink together when it gets to the ground. In other words, you want to do everything you can just to really slow your pace. Because technically, if you really pay attention, you really aren't slowing your pace. You're just staying at your previous pace and not getting energized. But those would be three non-cognitive, just behavioral, actual things you could do right now that would improve your performance. Doc, I got to get some other advice from you really about the golf course because I'm headed up to the Macklemore in a couple of weeks with my uh, with my buddies for our annual golf trip, and I know you've played the course, so I'm sure they're not listening. So give me some insider tips <laughs> about what I should be looking I got one, for. Where, I got go one ahead. big insider tip for you. When, you know, uh, when you get to 18, hit it right. <laughs> Aim right left. and hit it right. <laughs> Don't go left. Hit it right. Hit it to the right. That's right. You got tons of room out there to the right. Tons of room to the right. <laughs> you don't have much room on the left. In fact, you go left and it's a long way down. Uh, you know, the other thing I, I would tell you is if you're going up to play at Macklemore, just have a great time. It is. We, I, I, I'm sure you've played it by now. It's wonderful. So it'll be it'll be 18, it'll be 17 great holes of golf, and then 18, which is breathtaking. Doc, before I let you go, let our listeners know again how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you, whether it's online or it's on social media. Oh well, I, uh, social media I only do personally. I don't do professionally. Uh, but 
They can always reach me at uh, BIA1, that's Bravo India Alpha number one dot com. That's my, uh, that's the Behavioral Institute of Atlanta where I practice here. And then they can also find me on my personal webpage at drrobertpjones.com. And uh, that's how they can, anybody can get a hold of me from there. Um, and uh, I will look forward to talking to anyone. Well, Doc, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. You're always such a joy to have as not only on this show, but just to have as a, as a part of my life. You have meant a great deal to me over the years. Uh, your spirituality and the things that uh, that you bring that have nothing to do with golf have uh, inspired me for a number of years. I can't thank you enough for sharing that and uh, sharing this time with me tonight. Thank you, my friend. You take care of yourself, and we'll talk soon. All right. Stay safe, Doc. All the best to you and your family. That's the great Bob Jones the Fourth, Dr. Bob Jones the Fourth, and DrRobertTJones.com being the website. Um, Doc is a is a very special person in my life. Uh, he has been a great guest and shared great stories on this show for a number of years now. Uh, he has been supportive completely off the air and just my uh, my normal life, uh, and uh, and then from a spiritual perspective, there's a lot of work, and he's uh, really good friends with a with a wonderful guy named Scott Lehman, who's uh, been on this show, and uh, Scott does a great job of mixing golf and spirituality as well. Uh, and there's a wonderful uh, video out on YouTube of Scott and Doc taking a walk out, uh, and I think it was at, at Atlanta Athletic Club uh, where they're walking. I'd have to go back and check that, but a wonderful, wonderful video of those two in an interview that uh, that Doc did with Scott that is inspirational that I go back and uh, and listen to from time to time. Doc's a great man and really look forward to having him back on the show again real soon. 